Hello and welcome to The Root Gospel Ministries. We're so glad you're here. I'm Josh and this is Sam. Our mission includes spreading the gospel, cultivating fellowship, and pointing to Christ, all while incorporating the Word of God to help serve God, community, and the world. Hey everyone, welcome back to my house. I'm so glad to have you here, and I'm so glad to finish up this series with everybody. Uh, today we will be talking about why should we believe in God? That is the question that was proposed to us, and uh, let's remember we are in the series Asking for a Friend, and all of these topics were requested or suggested um, at a discussion that we had after, uh, after Christmas, um, I think somewhere around the 29th of December. So, uh, like I said, the topic today is why should we believe in God? And um, it's a pretty short message. We're just going to try to uh, answer it as clearly and concisely as possible and uh, you know, learn a little bit in the process, of course. But before we do that, uh, we should come to the Father in prayer. So, dear Lord, uh, thank you so much for being such a loving and awesome, awesome Father. I, I pray in this message we will really be struck with the realization of, of why we really should believe in you because you know we start to understand who you are I, I think that part of this starts in, in understanding your character Lord so please reveal that to us uh, Lord please speak through me and uh, work through me and continue working in the root um, and, and everywhere else that you have your hand Lord just uh, keep showing up in this world and, and um, just being such a loving and awesome father in your name we pray Amen. Okay, so, uh, yeah, this message is on why we should believe in God, and um, I, I just want to say, you know, this series has been really cool, really fun to do, uh, but man, I'm tired. I really need some rest, um, so I'm looking forward to uh, taking a break and just uh, getting to spend more time with God, just me and Him, uh, and, and getting some rest. It's just kind of what I need, and, and uh, I, I look forward to what Sam will be saying to you guys in the next few weeks. Um, and, and yeah, his series will be starting next week, so uh, lots of exciting things to come, and uh, I, I'm just looking forward to spending some more time with God and having some more free time. So um, before we, like, or what I really want to talk about is there's, a, there's this guy named uh, Blaise Pascal. Now, I thought it would be Blase because he's French, but I'm pretty sure it's Blaise, so maybe if I'm wrong, you know, correct me. Uh, but, but Blaise Pascal, he was born in 1623. And um, he's, I don't know, he's pretty famous for a lot of things, but he's known as a mathematician, a physicist, an inventor, a theologian, even um, some people regard him for his literary prose. Um, but I think that he's most famous, at least in my life, for the SI unit, uh, Pascal, which measures pressure. Um, and uh, it is named after him, of course. So, you know, if you're in chemistry class or maybe physics class, you've um, heard his name as, used as the uh, SI unit or even the kilopascal, but um, so you know he shows up in, in a lot of my classes quite a bit and uh, I was doing some research for this message and, and this guy named Pascal is kind of popping up and I'm like, oh what, this is interesting, like, I wonder if these two are the same and it turns out they are, so this guy who, who made all these crazy discoveries and invented all these things and uh, was really just a part of this, this age of, um, I don't know, intellectual growth in the early 1700s he he uh, he made a lot of bounds and you know took us places and in, in terms of um, chemistry and mathematics and even um, in theology and so 
The first thing that I want to talk to you guys actually comes from Blaise Pascal, and it is called uh, Pascal's Wager. And uh, of course, you know, he's a mathematician, a physicist, he maybe a chemist. He works with logic a lot, with numbers and, and all sorts of things. So uh, he made a pretty logical chart, we'll say even, um, for understanding maybe why we should believe in God. So the way this works is um, there's, you know, Two, we're gonna, I'm going to try to simplify it for you guys, and he's pretty simple in his terms, but I'm going to paraphrase it too. So basically there are two options, whether God exists or God doesn't exist. There, there's only two things. He, he either exists or he doesn't, and that's the truth. And then there are only two options in our response to that. We either uh, believe that he exists and believe in him, or we don't believe that, that he exists. There's just two options. You could say, well, isn't there some sort of middle, middle ground? But the way it works is really in the middle ground, you're just ignoring um, who God really is and, and therefore not believing in God. So, so we'll say you either believe in God or you don't believe in God, and God is either real or he's not real. So um, the way that Pascal looks at this, and, and he takes a very logical point of view, I, I wouldn't say... Uh, that this was really a matter of faith, but it's a matter of logic. He says, well, if God exists um, and I believe in God, then I will have a life um, on earth of joy and, you know, a true life of eternal joy. It's going to go on forever. I'll go to heaven. Um, you know, I'll get to experience relationship with Christ. You know, nothing can be better than relationship with Christ. If God is real, nothing can be better than that relationship. Um, but if God is real... Um, or if, if God isn't real, but I do think that he is. Um, and so, you know, whatever happens, happens, and then you die. Um, well, at least according to this, you know, the way that this would happen is, you know, nothing really happens. You just, you just die. I guess some people might say you go into, like, eternal oblivion. But um, if God really doesn't exist and you believe in him, nothing bad necessarily happens to you, um, in terms of like eternal things, I guess you could say. And then um, if, if God is real, but you don't believe in him, we see that you're gonna suffer eternal damnation, um, which is like I don't know, a pretty harsh way of just saying that you'll be eternally in hell and, and on earth you won't get to experience relationship with Christ and all of the joys of that if you don't believe in God yet. God is real. Now, if you don't believe in God and God isn't real, then you suffer the same consequence of nothing happens. It's just, you know, nothing happens. Now, <clears throat> I don't think that Pascal kind of had this, made this wager, as they say, or, or, you know, whatever, this logic on terms of like, okay, well, you should only believe in God because it's logical. I think he's just saying that you know, there is some logic that can be used. Of course, we should believe in God because we want to experience his character and, and receive the gift of Christ and um, get to know God and, and Jesus on a personal, intimate level. Uh, that should be the desire of our heart. Yet, um, you know, this, this wager is just kind of a pretty simple and logical way of putting it, maybe why we should believe in God. If you're really, really doubting, you know, why should I believe in God, I think that really boils down to like the lowest uh, tier of, of maybe faith, we'll say. So we've been talking about Pascal, and he's got a quick quote here, um, and, and it says, uh, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, 
but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. Uh, basically, um, Blaise, he's, he's, or Pascal is really going into uh, what, what we as humans are um, so prone to doing. You know, we have this, this desire, this whole vacuum he uses for God. Like, it is sucking things in. We're trying to get it. We're, and we're always trying to fill it. And you know, like a vacuum, you, you like put something in it and it's like gone, you know? It's not gonna be, like it's not sustaining there. Um, so you know, in our lives we try to fill this void, this, this vacuum with, you know, so many things, whatever it might be, um, idols or um, fleeting pleasures, things like that. We, we attempt to fill our vacuum and as, uh, as Pascal puts it, any created thing will not fill this vacuum, but it can only be filled by, by God. Um, and, and that's really, and he says also, um, by God through Jesus Christ. And so he really kind of just puts the gospel into this analogy, into this metaphor for, um, you know, we can only fill our desire in life, our deep, deep desire and longing um, with God. That is the only satisfaction that is, that is true. Um, and so the next thing we want to start talking about are some truths about humanity, right? We just talked about we've got this vacuum. Um, so in this message, we're really just going to talk about uh, these two truths about humanity, which are really kind of part of one big truth. Um, and then we're going to talk about the truths about God. And hopefully we understand that humanity is just inherently broken and God is just inherently good. And as humans, because we are so broken, you know, we should believe in God because He is good. And, and He is good in every way, every way possible. So we should always just believe in God because He is good. And, and we'll kind of see this. But let's, let's start with talking about um, the human heart, right? Uh, the human heart might seem like a good thing. It's always, you know, it's getting kind of close to Valentine's Day. We, we might, you know, think of the heart as something that is, you know, always good or like, you know, the heart is where the source of love and all these things. Um, but, you know, we see in Genesis 6-5 that the true intentions of the heart. It says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his man's heart was only evil continually. Uh, furthermore, we see in um, Mark seven twenty one. This is from Jesus. It says, For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. You know, all these things all come out of the heart. The human heart uh, it is evil, and that's not that the human heart uh, can't do good. The, the truth is that God does great things. See, the God, God is inherently good. He does good things, even in the bad things, even in the evil. He, he turns graves into gardens. That's a good song, a good song. So the next thing is that humans are broken. And I think that um, it's probably chronologically humans are broken and the heart is broken because of that. The heart is wicked because of that. Um, but I think it's a bigger overarching truth that humans are broken. And we see uh, Psalm 53, 2-3 says, God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they, might, they have become corrupt. 
There is no one who does good, not even one. Uh, next, we'll look at uh, Romans 3.23, which is common uh, in the presentation of the gospel. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is, that is the truth of humanity. Humanity is broken, um, and and they are, um, they need something to put them back together. We're always trying to find a way to put us back together. This is just another way of of using that quote from Pascal. Like we're broken, and we just want to be put back together, but we just can't find the right glue. Nothing really works. Um, but I think, really, just kind of. To look at the truth about this, we need to see God's love and God, his character, just kind of come around to this whole situation. So we see here that God is good, and that's a pretty, you know, it might sound pretty basic, but um, we'll, we'll read about it here in First Chronicles 16.34. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And um, yes, like, so this one's talking about his goodness through mercy. So. So God loves us even when, you know, we don't love him back. He's, he's merciful, and, and God is also a just God, right? And we can think about his mercy in this context that, uh, you know, when we sin, as it says in Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. In other words, um, the payment of sin or the result of sin is death. And because God is a just God, uh, when there is sin there is death, and he's not going to, like, change that, you know, that's, that is the way it is, and so what God did then is he sent his son, Jesus, um, to die on a cross, to be our sacrifice, to give us salvation, so there was death, and it was, our debt was, was paid um, through, through Jesus Christ, um, because God is merciful, and in his mercy, God is good. Next, we see Mark ten eighteen. Uh, and this one really fits with what we were talking about humanity. It says, no one is good but one, and that is God. Now, you know, we think of good as like kind of like not great, right? But the way this is saying is like good as in like everything is good, not just like a piece of it is good. Like we know that, you know, parts of us are good, right? And and parts of us are, are bad too. That's, that's the truth about us. But God is all good. And, and the thing is, is that like, no one is all good, but only God is all good. All good. And then we see um, Psalm 34, 8. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. So that just, you know, really talks about experiencing and, and really um, getting to know God and truly how good he is. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And, and I think this is kind of saying like maybe blessed is the man who trusts in him and when you trust in him you are able to taste and see that God truly is good. Um, the next one we're going to be looking at is God is faithful, right? So uh, we, we, can, we can talk about God's faith, you know, throughout the entire Bible. There are all these covenants he made in the Old Testament. Um, and nearly all of them are, are fulfilled, uh, but of course there are some that are that are to be fulfilled soon. Um, but we'll, like you know, we can think of um, God's promise to Abraham that that you know his offspring, he would be the father of nations through his offspring. But you know, Abraham's like I don't have any kids, um, and, and Abraham even tried his best 
to figure out, you know, how, how can I, you know, fix this situation? How can I have kids on my own? But we see that that wasn't God's plan and God, you know, in the end provided and, and Isaac uh, and his wife Sarah, or I mean, <laughs> Abraham and his wife Sarah had Isaac. Um, their son, and, and through this line, you know, came salvation, that came Jesus, um, and, and came many nations, as was promised. So, you know, God is faithful to his promise, and we'll see some more about that. We have uh, 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Uh, God is always faithful, but humans aren't always faithful. I think we are often faithless. Um, but God will always, always be faithful. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenants and, steadfast, and keeps steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Um, God, God is faithful for generations. I, I think that's kind of a reference to, to the situation with Abraham, right? Uh, he was faithful through many, many generations. Um, and I think it's also saying that God is always faithful for years and years to come. And the next one is 1 Corinthians 1.9. It says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that one's really cool because it's talking about how Jesus is the fulfillment of so many prophecies, right? He is the way that we are brought back to Christ, or to, to God. He is the reconciliation for all these years spent that were split and separated from God. And this last category we have about the character of God is, is God is love. And so uh, John talks about this a lot, especially in 1 John. So we see here um, in 1 John 4.16, he says, So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So, you know, God is this representation. He is love. And, and you know, it's just, it's hard to understand. It's hard to grasp how good and how, how awesome God really, really is. And when we start to understand this, you know, it should break us down. It, it should bring us to our knees to understand just how awesome God really, really is. Um, and in our love for God, we are able to experience Him. You know, think about how, you know, so many ways it's, we feel like we're unable or we should be unworthy of experiencing God. But God loves us so much that He even allows us to bask in His glory, right? Um, we see again in 1 John 19, uh, it says that, we love because God first loved us, because he first loved us. Now, I think that's always important to understand that, you know, as we talk about the human heart and its intentions and, and how broken humanity is, we need to know that God loved us first. It wasn't that we loved God and he loved us back, um, but God loves us uh, even when we don't love him. God loves us first. And we see this idea continued in Romans 5.8, which says, uh, and this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, and this is what is, the word while, I think is the, the pivotal word, the imperative word here in this, 
in this sentence, I'll read it again. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that is the gospel. You know, we didn't do anything to deserve God's love. Um, you know, actually we did everything to, to not be worthy of God's love. Yet, while we were doing that, while we were, you know, sinning against God, separating ourselves from him, he still sent Christ, his one and only son, so that we could be reconciled to him. God loves you, uh, he loves me, and he loves all of us, and, and he wants all of us to be saved. Um, and, you know, why should you believe in God? You should believe in God because he is good. Um, he's all good all the time. And he is faithful. He is faithful to the promises that he has made. Um, and, and the ones that have already been fulfilled, we can see his faith. That is one of the greatest evidences of God. And, and furthermore, uh, we should believe in God because God is love. And we get to experience the greatest, most pure love of all time through him. Um, I, I'm so glad that you guys stuck with me through the series. I really had a great time going through these, uh, these few topics with you. Um, I hope this was a good and concise answer to each of your questions. Um, and I really look forward to the next series that I'll, I'll be giving with you guys. And just uh, thank you so much for, for coming and listening. And uh, I hope you have a great, awesome week. <laughs>